Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's hard to figure out what's the low point for U.S. soccer in the mid-1980s. Things really needed to change. We want to be the first team to qualify in 40 years. We were carrying the weight of American soccer. We had to win to go to the World Cup. Everything was on the line on that day. That moment alone changed the trajectory of soccer in the United States. The Billion Dollar Goal focuses on the biggest game-changing moment in American soccer history, one that hasn't been celebrated until now. Billion Dollar Goal now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. The three-part docuseries includes first-hand accounts from several of the players who pulled off that epic upset. And yesterday, Nico and Alexis caught up with the man behind that goal, Paul Caligiri. Here it is. Time to talk to the legend himself, Paul Caligiuri. Paul, you've been the talk of the town ever since that this doc has premiered. I mean, you are the author of the billion dollar goal. How does it feel since uh, we've been refloating this once again in US soccer history? Well, I wanna thank uh, Paramount Plus and CBS for doing a wonderful job and obviously carrying the legacy of Grant Wall and uh, Kate Abdu does a wonderful job and the entire production was awesome. This is the epic doc, docu-series that's well needed to uh, give the history of the United States soccer, but also puts a lot of things in perspective. And I think this is going to be something, a, a piece of timeless, and I'm just honored to be part of it. When you look back at that moment, obviously this was something that needed to be detailed. We've all heard about the goal, but when you look back at that moment, did you have any idea that U.S. soccer would be where it is today based on that goal? Alexis, I don't think anybody could really predict about where we would go from that point on other than solidifying that we had a birth to the World Cup. We're going to host the World Cup. And, you know, what the women's team has done and uh, won multiple World Cups and how we've supported and, and built this sport to a, a major, major league soccer and how our, our international teams are performing, it's just amazing. So, uh, you know, I, I love that the, the tradition is carrying on, and I look for bigger and better things down the road for U.S. soccer. For everybody that 
was part of the doc, I commended them because I think it was really important to have an archive yeah. of that moment. We're a part of the doc. Yeah, absolutely. I think yeah. so. you did a good job. Hey, yeah, commend yeah. you as well. Good <laughs> job. No, but seriously, the, the, the people higher up that yes, of course. ended up making this archive Super for important. all of the American soccer landscape to appreciate what they pulled off was mm -hmm. absolutely incredible, not only for the young people, for, for players that are playing now to understand what Paul's strike with his left foot to beat Trinidad and Tobago meant. And in the similar vein of Alexis's last question, I want to ask you, Paul, when you see what it has become now, you know, afterwards, 94, 98, and, and the way that soccer has really flourished in this country, do you reflect back and say, wow, had I not scored that goal, maybe we wouldn't be here today? Well, it's one goal, of course, but then the entire team stepped up in the second half, including Tony Yola with multiple saves. So we secured the victory that propelled soccer to the levels of what we needed to at the time. And obviously, there's been some superstars along the way that carry on. But when you mention the young players of today, I think this kind of docu-series is so important it's, it, because it's inspiring and it touches uh, not only just the, the history of the game, but also the inspiration of the underdogs, which Americans love. Paul, I want to ask you a little bit about something that gets brought up in the documentary and something that's near and dear to me. I'm not sure if you know, but the back of the elementary school that I went to literally touches its next door neighbors with the Scots American Club. So I grew up sort of honoring and understanding how important that was. But what was it like for you, a gentleman from California, to deal with a bunch of guys from Jersey? <laughs> <laughs> how difficult was that? And there must have been a little bit of a culture shock. And did that input anything into the spirit of the team? You know, definitely the three guys from Carney, uh, New Jersey, were a key role to the spirit of the team. Um, I started out my uh, youth national team years with Tabaret Ramos. So then, uh, of course, then John Hartz and Tony Miola came afterwards. So I think that... Um, out of the trio, I established good credibility there. So, yeah, the Scots Club, an amazing place in Kearney, New Jersey. I'll never forget seeing Tony Miola play the bagpipes. That was just an amazing day. <laughs> an that's, Italian guy playing the bagpipes? <laughs> I don't think I've ever, ever seen that. Yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> um, back in, I think Tony in, in, in the doc reflects on a moment the day before the Trinidad game, right? When you guys are just like chilling, watching something on the TV and, 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 and Tony kind of just wanted to turn it off and, and, and you were watching like telenovelas or something like that. I, we heard it from Tony's perspective. What about uh, from, from your perspective? Do you even remember that specific moment? I remember vividly because the entire team went to bed and we had one room where we shared a, a TV and there was only one couch. And what I remember about that, that particular moment that night that Tony Miola wouldn't give an inch of that couch away. I actually had to sit on the floor, put my head against the, the couch, and I just kind of looked up to Tony, and we reminisced and dreamed about what if the United States wins, Paul Calgary scores, we win 1-0, and Tony Miola gets the shutout. And, you know, I think that got our blood going, and we actually believed that it would happen. And then, of course, on the way from uh, Miami to Trinidad, there's all these little things that we carried on and started looking like we left out a gate eight and we thought, okay, gate eight, that must be the meaning great. Um, our name of the plane was destiny. So we got little kicks out of like what, you know, what gate we're leaving out of to the name of the plane to all these things. And, you know, I believe that mentally you put everything into it, your heart and soul, great things will happen. And that's what happened.
Paul, we work with a gentleman named Charlie Davies who had a, a great career with the men's national team as well. Sometimes we talk to him a little bit about the development and what it took to get on the men's national team and going through ODP and getting scouted and whatnot. What was that like in your era? How did you get from playing, I guess, in the backyard to, to the men's national team? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I, I love Charlie Davies' story. I got to know him recently on the CBS Champions League set, and he's a great, great player, great person. And, uh, you know, certainly everyone has their stories. And in my particular moment, obviously, there was not a professional soccer league. We've seen the rise and fall of uh, the old NEFL days. And, you know, there was a, a years that went by where we didn't have any opportunities. We didn't know how to kind of carve our way, in, way into it. But I really didn't know much about the U.S. national team other than when a couple of my teammates were selected into the final phase of the selection for the Southern California ODP team my senior year in high school. And I virtually just walked on to the uninvited tryout. It wasn't a tryout. It was invited. And, you know, I, I was able to uh, squeeze my way in there. And at 18 years old, I made the first phase of ODP, which was the, the SoCal team. And we went on to the Western Regional team. And I was selected, fortunately, by Angus McAuliffe. Angus McAlpine and uh, Manny Shellshaw to join the U.S. men's under-19 national team. It wasn't even quite the wow. the U-20 team at that time. So, you know, in 90 days, my life changed, but I worked hard for it, and I believed in myself, had the confidence necessary. And, um, you know, I, when I had the opportunity to speak to the U.S. men's national team, um, most recently when they before they played Trinidad Tobago in Austin, you know, one of the things I said to them is I just always played to do my best, be my best every each and every day. I didn't really concern myself with who was watching and, you know, what accolades may, may fall. It was just all about the love and the passion for the game. And again, just doing everything I can to do my best to become my best. It's crazy how much it it's has all changed. changed. Yeah, every that part of it. Where you need to every really step. go the extra mile, where you need to go to the scouts. And now the scouts come to you. It's like... I look at to the 2018 Trinidad game, right, or the game to qualify to the 2018 World Cup, where the greater public opinion understood the gravity of the situation had the U.S. not qualified, and, and everybody knew what the stakes were. And for you guys, going into that game in 89, how did you guys convince yourselves of the stakes? Because it feels like had you lost, it would have been a loss that had gone under the radar. But, but you guys needed to hype that moment in your hearts, in your minds, how did you do that knowing that in, there wasn't really any background noise? That's a good way you put it in context that, yeah, had we lost, it probably would have been a, under the radar. You know, soccer was pretty much under the radar at that stage. And, you know, certainly it was the collective effort. I mean, there were players that did not make the Trinidad game that were in the training camp that had a big impact. and. You know, we were a tight-knit group. We we had our livelihoods on the line. We had the the nation behind us. We had it on our backs. Uh, we had the pending World Cup 1994, whether it be stripped away from us. But certainly, you know, the main thing is this team was together. It was a base of guys that played in the 1988 Olympics that was successful there. We actually drew two games and lost to the eventual gold medalists. And we just believed that we could do it. And... Um, it wasn't just about that game. It was about long-term our goals in, in soccer. We wanted to have professional soccer careers. We wanted to see a, a professional soccer league here formed again in the United States. 
And certainly we wanted to host the World Cup and participate in the World Cup. And all those variables were on the line going into that day. And, you know, the U.S. could only go one way, and that was up. And uh, yeah, it, it, it inspires me just to talk about it. And I know I was so involved in it, but certainly I reflect so much on my teammates and all the hard work on and off the field of what it took to do it. Paul, take me back to that moment, or I guess go back to that moment, sitting on the floor, head on the couch, talking to Tony Miola, his mullet, on one of the throw <laughs> pillows, uh, where you're talking about this game coming up. Think back to that moment. Is soccer in America bigger today than you ever thought it would be, or do you think there's still way more we can, much bigger than it can be? Well, you, got, you ask a great question. I mean, that moment sitting there on the, on the couch, I'll never forget. I had to sit on the floor, and I, I grew up with you know, four other siblings in my house, three sisters and a brother. And, you know, being the youngest, you always had to fight for your space or you, you, you snooze, you lose, all these little things you do. And that moment reminded me of being like Tony's younger brother, even though I'm older than him. It's a matter of it just, you know, that's kind of how I was raised. So, um, but certainly going into where we're at today, um, you cannot visualize and think that, all the people that are supporting the game and soccer. Now you have a lot of uh, major sports owners in American sports owning, you know, professional soccer teams abroad. We have the international teams coming here and doing tours. And, you know, we have victory tours for the women's world cup team. We, we have sellout stadiums in both major league soccer and WSL. And of course, you know, our national team. So uh, the blink of the eye at the time, you never think about it, but certainly I do believe also we there's there's more to more to go. I mean, uh, if we're going to set our goals as high as we possibly can, we should want to make Major League Soccer what EPL is today. And I think that that's in the plans and that's in the makings. I think that we host the best events, you know, be it Nations League or any other World Cup and things of that nature. This is the United States. This is America. We deserve to be number one. And I think that every player that's on the field representing the United States believes that. If you don't believe it, you can't achieve it, and certainly, you know, we've done big things, and we're going to do bigger things down the road as well. Paul, before we let you go, uh, moving on from that moment in 89, I wanted to fast forward to the moment that you're hearing the anthem in that very first World Cup game, the first World Cup game in 40 years for the U.S. against the Czech Republic, a game in which you then scored again, that first World Cup in four decades for the U.S. Uh, it was a, a, a pretty... Big moment. How did you soak it in? Is that where you realize, oh, wow, we really made it? Yeah, those moments of the National Anthem, anthem walking onto the field in a World Cup, I mean, you have goosebumps up and down your entire spine, and it's just an amazing uh, moment. You, you reach the highest level, and then you got to pinch yourself and say, wait a minute, you got to perform at the highest level. So certainly there's you know that moment of just having those chills in your body, being super excited for the big event that you finally achieved and of course then you have to realize that you're about to play the game and do everything you can to de defeat the opponent. Paul Caligiuri, the author yes. of that goal, that has your name eternally stitched onto that moment. Paul, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you. And I want to thank uh, Grant Wall's legacy to live on and his, his wife uh, for allowing this uh, production to carry on. And Everyone that was part of it did a wonderful job, and I'm really honored to be part of this. Thank you so much, guys. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, truth in your words right there. That's Paul Caligiuri. Billion-dollar goal is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Check it out.
I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. He makes absolutely sure this time. He took that one emphatically. Here is Foden on the chase here. Erling Haaland! Typical bludgeon finish. Oh, Foden, lovely beat. Marvellous, marvellous goal. And then level for Foden here. The dancing feet. Doku. And Foden took it well, and here Alvarez! A fight back of champions. It's a better looking delivery, and the header across from Jimenez, right on the stroke of half-time. Joel, what a goal! And Celtic have been steamrolled by Diego Simeone's side. Welcome back. Champions League match day six rolls on. Here's a look at today's fixtures. Uh, we start things off at 12.45 p.m. Eastern. Red Star Belgrade taking on Manchester City. Um, and then group of death, guys. In group F, it's a big, big day. As we have Dortmund taking on PSG and Newcastle hosting AC Milan. There is so much, so much to play for in these matches. We know that Dortmund have already clinched a spot, but positioning, all of that is yet to be determined. So everyone's still fighting for a spot. Let's take a look at the standings of Group F as it is right now. Dortmund sitting on top, followed by PSG, and then Newcastle and AC Milan even on five points. They face each other today. So this is... Uh this is how what everyone is playing for today. Here's a look at all these scenarios. So Dortmund, they've already qualified, but they can clinch first place with a win or draw against PSG. PSG can qualify to the knockout rounds with a win versus Dortmund or a draw, and Newcastle lose to Milan. Newcastle will qualify to the round of 16 with a win against Milan, and PSG will, if they lose... To Dortmund and then Milan qualified to the round of 16 with a win at Newcastle and a PSG loss. So this is there's just it's Ooh. wild. It's important to note that just PSG holds the head to head over Milan and Newcastle holds the head to head over PSG and that's the first tiebreaker, right? Yeah. So we don't have to go further back in scenarios. Mm-hmm. So if anybody's even on points, just remember that PSG holds the head to head over Milan. So the event that PSG loses and Milan wins. They're through, um, and, and Newcastle holds the head-to-head over PSG. And that would happen if PSG draws and Milan wins 8-8. Eight, eight. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. Oh. In the, Group in that of case, death is yeah. truly living up to we the name. We need those calculators with, like, the paper attached to it just to figure out what's going <laughs> this on. Is when, this is when my brain just starts to melt. Like, mm-hmm. it just doesn't, yeah. like, compute all of the scenarios. Wait, I don't know wait, how you no. do. Wait until tomorrow. Do <laughs> I have a scenario <laughs> for you? It's, it's just like, what a tease. Not even a yeah. commercial tease. Wait till tomorrow. I just fall over. It's like I can't handle it. Um, do you know who can handle it, though? Anita Jones. That's right. <laughs> Anita, she joins us. You are you are in Newcastle. You're going to be at this uh, Newcastle Milan match. How how are things in uh, the north of England right now? 
that was such a setup, you know. You got me out here feeling like I'm superwoman. Am I gonna give the Newcastle team some energy? You know, they're missing players. Maybe I'm just gonna give it to them. Um, hey. But yeah, no, it's cold. I'm gonna be freezing on the sideline, but very excited to be there. I was so fortunate to be at their first home game in the group stages against PSG, and the crowd was wild. Um, in England, we love to say stadiums are rocking. That stadium was rocking. It even took off off the ground just from how much the fans were so behind their team. And just talking to like the taxi driver from the station to the hotel, I get the impression that that's going to be exactly the same tonight. Anita, you got the glasses on. It looks like you're ready to do maths. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys had a lot of scenarios. I came ready, you know. You went through all the permutations there. Um, what's going to be really interesting, I guess, is who else will be in the crowd? In fact, downstairs in my hotel, I saw Clarence Seardorf, a former AC Milan player. And, you know, we may see Zlatan in the crowd as well, having recently mm. been appointed to a senior position within his former club, having given up football, what, about six months ago, I think it was. So um, they're going to have a lot of support there in terms of key figures. But like I said, Newcastle fans, they are on another level. Um I know my good friend there, my Arsenal friend there on the on the table will have nightmares of when Arsenal went to play there. These fans can honestly make it hell for any opposition team. Especially for a player like Anthony Gordon. He scored in the second half of the last three home matches. Do you think they're at the point now where they've sort of gotten the rhythm of Champions League? You know, there was a big question as to whether, I know the home fans will be behind them, but at the club, anyhow, there's still some questions. Do you think they're sort of coming into this in a good run of form? Do you think they're going to have the confidence to be able to pull this through? Good run of form, I don't think is probably accurate for either of these teams. Um, they both lost at the weekend in their respective league ties, but there's a bigger story here. They have what some have deemed as an injury crisis, and Eddie Howe has not wanted to say that his team have looked fatigued from having put out the same 10 outfit, outfield players other than different goalkeepers through injury to, to Nick Pope's shoulder. But um, his team looked fatigued. And so to be arriving in good form, I'm, I'm not sure that's going to be the case. But they're going to have to dig deep. Um, and similarly, Milan have got their own share of injuries. So it will be a real tactical battle, I think, and see, seeing which players are just going to put everything out there on the pitch. Anita, you need to give some advice to those Newcastle boys because you've been going all over the pitch. You've been Miami, London, Nigeria, <laughs> Spain in the last couple of months, and you're still going. you you, you got to let them know that they, they do got to dig deep because it's, it's all or nothing at this point. It is all or nothing. I like how you use the little Arsenal phrase there. Let's leave that for, for our team. Yeah? Um, it's do or die tonight is do or die tonight for the Geordies. Um, you know, Eddie Howe in his pre-match press conference said that he will come out with the team all guns blazing. I don't expect anything less. You guys have spoken in depth about his assistant manager, Jason Tindall. I'm sure he's going to be giving it on the touchline as well. Oh, you know so, it. Um, I expect we'll rarely, rarely be sat in our seats. But yeah, Susanna, you know. <laughs> That's my guy. So, Nita, you, you spoke about the, the atmosphere at St. James's Park when you were there for that, that match against, against PSG. How, how much do you think that they are going to try to kind of harness all of that energy? Because they have, I mean, you, you hit on it. They have, they've looked tired. They've looked tired, and that bench yes. is, is depleted, just absolutely mm -hmm. gassed. 
Do you think it's possible because of the the amount of energy that that crowd is going to bring? Like, can they can they find a way? Do you have that belief they'll be able to do it? I think not only is it that the crowd will play a role, but something that loads of people have been pointing to is their incredible home record um, across what all games and all competitions. They've won nine of their games and only lost two. Meanwhile, their record away from uh, St. James's Park has been abysmal. They've lost three away home games in the Premier League and by quite some margin too. You think about just that 4-1 loss uh, against Spurs and then I think it was 3-0 against Everton before that and then a loss against Bournemouth. But somehow they galvanised that energy from the fans and I do think that will potentially help them get over uh, over the line here. But if PSG were to win, one thing you guys didn't say is that, you know, Nico, you might be talking about them on your show if they drop down to the Europa League. So um, they still <laughs> may have European football um, regardless of if PSG win or not. <gasps> I mean, you know they're going to be watching or like, mm-hmm. like paying attention to that PSG Dortmund oh, match. Yeah. If like somehow, you know, like it, it would be, it feels like this is... It feels like PSG are in the driver's seat to to clinch, but yeah. if they somehow go down, and it's entirely possible mm-hmm. at Dortmund, by the yeah. way, PSG and you don't know what you're going to get with Dortmund, as we've seen this year. PSG handling pressure in the Champions <gasps> League? They're, they're, they're not going to bottle it. No. But this they is would what never. I mean. never. I have never will. <laughs> no, but I need, I need to have you prepared yourself for that scenario, because if the crowd is watching and there is a chance, you know, we're coming to, to end of the game, and PSG are down, and Newcastle are, are fighting for a goal or whatever, I mean, like, can you imagine what that crowd is going to be like and what that atmosphere is going to be like? It's going to be madness. Everyone's going to be on their phones. Like, literally, everyone will be on their phones. And you guys know what it's like in a packed stadium. Signal is terrible. So you'll just be (laughs) scrambling. They're like, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? Um, You'll be looking to the bench because there'll be someone there um, who will be looking at those games as well, informing Jason, Tyndall, and Eddie Howe. and I imagine during half time they'd probably give the team an update of what's happening in that other game. So, yeah, this is why we love Champions League football, <gasps> the jeopardy involved in it. And the fact that we call this the group of death and it's going down to the wire is just all the more exciting. And you get to be there, Anita Jones. How cool. We're so happy for you. <laughs> I'm so grateful. I know. Oh, this is awesome. <laughs> what a ride you've been on. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Enjoy every second of today. Can't wait to catch up with you later this week. <laughs> Thanks so much, guys. Take care. Stay warm as well. I heard you're very cold, like me. Always. <laughs> Perpetually. The studio. You notice that I'm, I'm. You guys are just gonna start seeing me bust out Layer different cards. Different Ian Wright in a full puffer. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Um, all right. We are going to take another break. When we return, we are going to be joined by Aiden Morris and Darlington Nagby, fresh off their celebrations after winning MLS Cup over the weekend. That's coming up. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. 
But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. MLS Cup 2023, LAFC trying to become just the fourth team ever to win back-to-back titles. Includes trying to win their second title in four years. There's Yeboah from the byline, clipping into a dangerous area. Rossi was in a handball. It was! Penalty Columbus! Cucho Hernandez has made all eight of his penalty attempts in all competitions. Cucho scores! How about that? Yeboah got behind Olex and Yeboah! And the Columbus crew add a second goal, and they are all over LAFC. Absolutely incredible scenes from Columbus, Ohio, as the crew took down reigning champs LAFC to become MLS Cup champions after a masterful 2-1 win. The city of Columbus is still celebrating, and I have a feeling so are these two guys. We are joined by Aiden Morris and Darlington Nagby. Congratulations, gentlemen. Um, Awesome scenes yesterday of the city just turning out for this crew team. What was it like riding that bus and seeing your city celebrate with you guys? Aiden, I'll start with you. Oh, it was special. A lot different than 2020, that's for sure. So it was nice to kind of celebrate with the fans and kind of a recap of the whole year and just the energy was great. And yeah, it was a special moment. Darlington, I know this was, uh, you've done this, you've done this before, but um, how special was yesterday? That was special. As Aiden said, 2020, we didn't get a chance to, to properly celebrate with our, with, our, uh, with our family and friends, even with each other. So you know, getting the opportunity to do that and having the, the show that we had, it was good. It was special. Hey, season's over. You guys got to get out of formation. It's just like on the field. The two defensive midfielders <laughs> right next to each other, man. <laughs> I, I feel like I can see the back line behind you guys. Uh, congrats. Honestly, it was, it was awesome, uh, especially – in that moment, huh? Uh, after the game, the camera got you guys just in, in a very emotional moment. Can you guys kind of share what was said? Because you guys offer a balance to the team that nobody else can. And, and it's definitely, you could see that, that there was a lot of feeling and understanding between you two in that moment. Yeah, for me, it was, you know, I was just kind of jumping around. I hadn't found him yet, you know. And then uh, once he came to me and I saw him, that's when I started crying. I was just like, man, like we did it. Wow. You know, emotion is everything that we, you know, we've been through and we've talked about throughout the years. To be able to do it and do it two times together, I think, for this for this team, for this club, it was special to us. Oh, that's making me emotional. Me too. What'd you tell him, Aiden? Uh, I just, I just told him like we knew we were gonna do it, man. Okay, you gave us the the, re, the edited version, the radio edit. <laughs> <laughs> we know we were going to do it, man. We, we sacrificed a lot. 
we believed in each other. We always pushed each other to be the best versions of ourselves, and um, paid off, man. We told I tell them every single game, and we tell each other, let's go out there and let's run the show. And I think we did that every time we stepped on the field. So yeah. No, you definitely ran the show. I have to ask, you went up two goals before half, and you had about 60 minutes left to play, and that's a long time to kind of maintain that level and that consistency for the rest of the match. So going into halftime and approaching the second half, you're both leaders. How were you approaching that, and what were you saying to the rest of the team so you could keep that lead going into the next part of the game? Uh, I think it was just... Coach said it well at halftime is just staying to the task, uh, sticking to who we are, our principles, keep moving, uh, keep showing for the ball. I mean, it's all simple stuff, but it goes a long way. It's easy to get complacent and comfortable when you go up to nothing. Um, I think we we did well with, you know, sticking to who we are and yeah, keeping a high standard. Yeah, and then, you know, all the guys were on the same page. You know, we were in a similar situation before, but on the opposite end. So I think we knew what could happen if we didn't come out, you know, with the same intensity as we started as we started the game. So, you know, similar situation, similar familiar situation, but on different ends this time. Um, I have a question for you, Darlington, but first I just want to comment. Uh, both of you have uh, the, the general demeanor of grizzled detectives. Like, you've seen it all. You guys are calm <laughs> regardless of what is happening. You could be up 2-0, you could be down 2-0. You guys are so calm. Uh, I am not like that. But, Darlington, I want to ask you, you've won this so many times, but you, you were crying after the game like this was your first MLS Cup. Like, you came back, you know, after retirement to win one, and you won one, but you've won this so many times. What was different about this season than in previous cup uh, victories? Uh, I think, you know, I just thought about everything. You know, we, A and I always talk about, you know, you know, we're the two remaining, I think, from previous previous championship, Josh. you know, that have been playing consistently, and we have Josh Williams as well that's still there. So I think, you know, I think those emotions, you know, a new team, coaching his first year coming in and I think everyone kind of adjusting and believing in him and him believing in us so the whole the whole year just how everyone came together and we're able to accomplish what we did and honestly it was just I know that was the final game but thinking about the previous game too and what we overcome and our path to get there you know Atlanta Orlando uh Cincy so we were talking about it yesterday how difficult that path was to get there so I just appreciate it all I mean, it was. It was a, an incredibly difficult path, and you guys had to had to play in some uh, very volatile stadiums uh, to to get to this point. But I'm curious to know at what point during this season did you know that there was something special brewing in Columbus that this team was going to be capable of winning an MLS Cup? Because as you said, Darlington, you know there was a lot of new players. It's a, a new head coach. I have to imagine there were probably some growing pains early on. But at what stage did you think, oh, yeah, this is coming together. We can do this. I think nothing. Uh, we had our first game went away to Philly, even though we lost 4-1. And we just, you know, I was like, man, we played really well. Obviously, the score the scoreboard didn't show that, but I thought we had a good game. And you know, I think the beginning of the season we were attacking well and got to the middle of the season, uh, started defending better. I think then towards the end of it, we just kind of put everything together. You know, everyone was healthy, everyone was feeling good, and you know, started to see that we could do this thing and head in the right direction. So I'll say it's always been there. We've always played well. I think we're just kind of putting you know, attacking the end and defensive end together. Now I have to ask you, playing for the first black coach in the MLS to win a championship. And that means a lot to me, just being a black player and um, how much representation that matters and how far that reaches. 
What is so different about, you know, you've experienced different coaches. What's so different about Wilfred Nancy and the success that he's had with this team? Yeah, like you said, the first, you know, the first black coach to win the championship, which is, which is huge. You know, I think for me, even, you know, as a black player, you know, growing up in Cleveland, I think it's just important to be a role model and seeing people that look like you accomplish certain things because you feel like you can accomplish the same things, you know, take the same paths. And then Wilfred's just been great. I know. I think he's coming with the right mentality and I think his, how he is as a person and individual and as a coach, I think that translates throughout the team. That you've seen players grow and become confident in themselves and their abilities. And I think in giving the guys the freedom to just express themselves, that's to play within the team, but then express yourself, be the individual that you are. Oh man, that's awesome that he's able to transmit that to you guys and, and much success now and, and for the next coming seasons. And you guys gotta enjoy that success too. Now, on a less serious <laughs> note, I need you to rank this weekend's party from the best party you've been to to the worst party you've been to after winning MLS Cup. Aiden, I'll start with you. Solid 10 for me. I'll give it. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like dehydration. <laughs> uh, we're all good here. <laughs> I, got, I don't get out much, so I'll give it, I'll give it, I'll give it a 10 as well. Yeah, it's the same for me. I don't do much, so. It was nice to just celebrate with the boys and have everyone there. So, yeah. so deserved. Okay, who who's feeling the the worst today, though? Who went the hardest? <laughs> who went the hardest? That's what I want to know. Well, no, I I stopped after the first day. That was enough because I don't do them often, so I was done after that. One. I don't know. I, I left him there though. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I don't know if you saw yesterday your coach. Wilfred Nancy came on the <laughs> Champions League broadcast, and I was—I had just been watching videos of him at the at the parade and and dancing, yeah. and I was like, man, I give him so much credit because I have to—I mean, he 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 kept it very uh, very profesh, but I was I was impressed. Did you guys happen to see that? No. Oh no, yeah. I felt that I was like he left the celebration so he could go make a cameo on the Champions League broadcast that was, yeah, that was that's more professional that's than me I would have I would have FaceTimed from the parade I, I would have been in VIP at the like, club like what's good what you need what you want Thierry what you need to ask me no it was so cool to see oh you guys um hey thank you so much for taking the time to join us congratulations I hope you enjoy every second of uh these celebrations and have a fantastic off season thank you thanks for having thank us you. All right, guys, we are going to take a break. When we come back, um, we are previewing more of today's Champions League actions. That's coming up. Stay with us. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back. Champions League match day six continues today. Here's a look at the fixtures on the docket. Uh, we already talked about some of those Group F matchups in the group of death, but we also have Celtic taking on Feyenoord. Um, we've got Antwerp taking on Barcelona and Porto versus Shakhtar. You can watch that right here on the Galazzo Network. Um, our coverage starts at 12.45 p.m. Eastern. All right, let's get into... 
group H. <laughs> Are you pumped up? The best Le grand the champions. Wow, much Susan. better than anything yeah. I would have done. Sure. Yeah. Thank you. Nico, Thank you. take a note. <laughs> yeah. Shut up and let her, let her back, back. bro. <laughs> I, wanted to, I wanted to walk down the aisle to the Champions League song. Next. Oh, are you yeah, kidding me? Next. Next. Oh, you know you so should So now just Mariah Carey. You, you should go, oh, oh. Oh, oh the Europa. Or the conference theme, it's the conference. <laughs> <laughs> really knocks people for a little Vibes would be crazy. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, so let's chat. Let's chat Group H, shall we? Barcelona is sitting on top of uh, Group H, but we've got Porto and Shakhtar, who could both finish second in this group, and they play together. So here's what the table looks like right now. For Porto, they can qualify to the round of 16 with a win or draw, and Shakhtar um, also, they need to win. So this is what's at stake today. Um, What do you think of this, make of this matchup, Nico? It's interesting because Shakhtar put on a hell of a performance against Barcelona a couple match days ago. They beat Antwerp the way they needed to beat Antwerp any means possible to get that win, to still be alive. And it's incredible. Again, I think the, the story with Shakhtar still becomes kind of that same narrative of, of relentless spirit despite the conditions of their context. Mm. They're, again, a team that plays in a war-ridden country that doesn't know where the next moment of safety will be, that is constantly displaced, that has to play their Champions League games their home Champions League games in in another country that have fans that are either displaced that will show up in Germany because now they live there or elsewhere. And on the other hand, it's Porto that at moments they had good football, at moments they don't. They they have talent up top with Galeno and Evanilson, a decent midfield. And in the Primera Liga, they are where they are, so... It really is anybody's game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They beat on match day one. They won this matchup 3-1. So that's providing a little bit of context. Shakhtar's never beaten Porto, ever. I mean, this is going to be tough. I mean, Porto has a 40-year-old center back in Pepe. But he is, I mean, the heart and Still soul. Scoring. He is He is the, the energy, mm-hmm. the, the, the recharge uh, wire, if you will, uh, for this team. So I'm expecting Porto to, to, to make it through. But it's tough to say that because Shakhtar has this additional belief. And, you know, we've seen teams use a tough situation and be inspired by mm-hmm. it. And when you think of that, when you think of everything and you could watch on, you know, on Paramount Plus, uh, Football Must Go On, you, you could see how important this is for the people who are displaced and for the people at home who can watch uh, and how much this means to the people of of uh, the Ukraine and Donetsk in particular. So maybe there's a little bit of inspiration, but this feels like a hill too high to climb for Shakhtar. Yes, I agree. I agree that Porto's the better team mm-hmm. on paper, but Shakhtar has European pedigree. Sure. And there's players here that know what it's like to go into these, into these big games. Um, they were in a group recently with... Real Madrid and Inter, if I'm not mistaken, thinking back. Um, and, and they were able to make it through. Um, so, yes, it, 
adverse conditions, 100% for, for Shakhtar, who also has a, a pretty old center back. Um, I think it would be a little bit embarrassing for Porto if they don't go through because Porto, Porto has more European pedigree than... Yeah, than, mm-hmm. they won this competition. Than, than Shakhtar, correct, under Mourinho. Mourinho. Playing attacking football under mm-hmm. Mourinho. Porto, this is interesting, they have 32 shots on target in Champions League this season, and that's 49%. That's the highest in all of Champions League. Shots on target. Wow. So they're they're creating. 49% of the shots, shots they take on tar- are, are on, on target, target. Which is the highest in all of, of Champions League. So there's there's quality there. Mm-hmm. And there's they're definitely creating their own chances. It's just. Yeah, and, and mind you, the, uh, the attacking players, the attacking trident of that team was Galeno, who, who they brought him from Braga like a, a year and a half ago, or maybe at the beginning of 2023, Evan Nilsson, um, Pepe, the, the, there's, a, there's a Brazilian Pepe, uh, <laughs> winger, <laughs> uh, Meditaremi, who yeah. comes in as well. Uh, they're, they're, they, sh- they should. I, I, f- I feel like with a team like this, mm-hmm. you have to win almost against Shakhtar. I need yeah. the Dragon in front of your own fans. It would be Gotta a, get it done. a feel-good story for Shakhtar, though. Uh, how are we feel, quickly? How are we feeling about Barcelona heading into mm-hmm. this one? I mean, they're it's, going to. They're likely going to. Antwerp, win the, the worst win. team in this yeah. competition. I yeah. believe yeah. so. Yes. So, yeah. um, so here are the little stats on on Antwerp who have lost oh, all no. of their games. Oh. No side has lost all for, first six games of Champions League since Romanian Otelul Galati in 2011. This is for all debutants. Um, and by the way, Mark Van Bommel, who's the manager, the former mm-hmm. Barcelona player, is winless in 14 Champions League games. Oof. Nobody has gone more games without a win since That's Mark brutal. Van Bommel. And he was, he was manager of the year in Belgium that with Royal Antwerp who won You know, you the worked Belgium so party. hard to get to Champions League. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, <laughs> to not get a single. We're there. Here we are. We did it. And then it's like. Oh man, just we're to, not to have the that. We're not <laughs> it's not even close. Um, yeah. yeah, that's that's rough. That's rough. But you know, happy to just just happy to be here, right? <laughs> that's is that it? Is <laughs> that the one, one, one. Sammy Sorry. Vines ain't saying that. I'm Antwerp right now. <laughs> just happy to be here. Wow. Okay. No, he's not even there. That's happy what I'm saying. Vines. That's why he's not saying it. He ain't happy to be there. He's no like, man, I'm not even on the list. No disrespect to Antwerp. Uh, all right, we're going to take a break. Stick around, everyone. We'll be right back. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back. Well, this holiday season, Galazzo is giving everyone the gift of some classic European nights. Christmas Eve into Christmas Day, Galazzo Network will be airing 10 of the best Champions League performances from the biggest stars of the last decade. If you head over to Twitter, at CBS Sports Galazzo right now, you can vote for which game you'd like to see from 10 recent Champions League stars, including Cristiano Ronaldo, Lionel Messi, Erling Haaland, and many more. So get voting, everybody. Also, big shout-out to Kaz one of our directors for 
putting on the, the snow. It is a true winter wonderland in here <laughs> right now. It is. I love this. Giving wedding inspo? Totally. Yeah? Maybe I should just have it right here. <laughs> in studio. Oh! Televised. I'm kidding. That's Can awful. I officiate? I'm a flower girl. Absolutely not. Do you, my guy, take shorty to be your love? <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, look at me with the snow behind me. This looks nope. cool. I know. Doesn't that look awesome? If I, look at this. It's this is, so this is, festive. This is what my wife assumed marriage with me would be. Oh. <laughs> me with the snow box. You're a, I saw the you way you hopped in today, and helped though. Semra. Uh, bro, I got I'm I bet I'm you, you're a top-notch hubs. Um, guys, enjoy all the Champions League action today. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Have a great one.